Welcome to Free Your Geek. I am your host, Jay Free, and this is going to be a short solo episode hosted by yours truly, Jay Free, as I discuss Crisis on Infinite Earths, the crossover that happened on the CW network starting right before the Christmas holiday and concluded just a few days ago in 2020. I'll be giving you my thoughts and synopsis of the crossover as a whole. But before we get into that, I want to plug my friend, Brittany Santiago, who is soon to be guest of the show. I want to plug her new article that she wrote for Pure Fandom, reviewing Part 5, Legends of Tomorrow. So check that out in the show notes. And Brittany will be a guest very shortly on Free Your Geek. Now, let's get into my thoughts. So Crisis on Infinite Earths aired over five different episodes of the CW superhero shows. It started with Supergirl on December 8th, followed by Batwoman on December 9th and The Flash on December 10th. Then we had a month break and it finished with parts four and five, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, respectively, on January 14th. And boy, what a ride this was. So Synopsis essentially was the Monitor foretold of a crisis that was coming and basically the Anti-Monitor, the antithesis to the Monitor, erased all the multiverse and replaced it with the Anti-Matterverse. And essentially our heroes, the, the seven major heroes, our Paragons, were tasked to stop them. And throughout this whole last season of Arrow, Oliver Queen has been foretold that he is going to die and perish in this crisis. So it was all leading up to the last two episodes, part four and part five, that aired on January 14th. But before we get into that, let's talk about those Paragons. Throughout the crossover, we learned the different Paragons. The Paragon of Love was Barry Allen the Flash. Hope was Supergirl. The Paragon of Courage was Batwoman. The Paragon of Destiny was Sarah Lance. The Paragon of Honor was the Martian Manhunter. We were introduced to Ryan Choi as the Paragon of Humanity. And then we found out that the Paragon of Truth was Superman until Lex Luthor used the Book of Destiny to make himself the Paragon of Truth. And Lex Luthor was actually a very... Very entertaining highlight for me, specifically, played by John Cryer, who most know as Alan from Two and a Half Men, or this newer generation would know him for. I love the way he plays Lex Luthor. I don't think he'll, uh, to me, there's never going to be a better Lex Luthor than Michael Rosenbaum. However, I'm liking what John Cryer is actually doing with this role. He's playing Lex a totally different way, still kind of evil, but kind of like cocky and full of himself. And uh, just thinking like he's better than everyone. And I absolutely love the way he's playing Lex Luthor. We also saw in the crossover, and I should mention spoilers if you haven't watched it yet. Uh, we saw Oliver Queen die, not once, but twice. The first time he died was when trying to help evacuate Earth-38 before it was erased by an antimatter wave. And uh, he saved, I believe, um, the monitor mentioned it was one billion lives by his noble sacrifice. 
But then some of the other characters, Sarah in particular, uh, along with the Flash and Oliver's daughter, Mia, wanted to use the Lazarus pit to bring him back. And while his body was alive, his soul was still in purgatory, and they went to go reclaim his soul. They started to, but then Oliver became the Spectre, which I thought was a really cool uh, nod. Um, Instead of Jim Corrigan, it became Oliver Queen, or Corrigan passed it from himself to Oliver Queen to become the Spectre. My initial thought process was, well, this is a way that we can write Stephen Amell out of this Arrowverse, but we could still bring him back as this godly being if the situation ever presents itself. If something gets so dire in a crossover or something along those lines, Stephen Amell could reprise his role as Oliver Queen, but this time as the Spectre. That was not to be the case because in the fourth episode, in the Arrow episode of the crossover, he sacrifices himself again to restore or rebirth the multiverse. So the multiverse had been wiped out by the Anti-Monitor, leaving it on a cliffhanger right before the holiday break. And then the episode back toward the tail end, Oliver Queen sacrifices himself to rebirth the multiverse. And we'll talk about the rebirth a little bit later. One of the other things I liked toward the last episode on the Legends of Tomorrow episode, we finally get to see the CW's version of the Hall of Justice. So not only is there a memorial for the Green Arrow there with the ever-burning arrow flame, I guess, for lack of a better term, we find out that the old hangar that I believe was used in a previous crossover with the Dominators is owned by Star Labs. And Barry basically uh, recommissioned it to be kind of like a hall of justice, if you will. And they have their own table with each of the paragons, with the exclusion of Lex Luthor and replaced by Superman. They each have their own seat, and then they have a dedicated seat that nobody is sitting in that belongs to Oliver Queen, which I thought was a very cool nod um, that his presence will always be felt. Because to be fair, without Stephen Amell, without the Arrow television show, there is no uh, CWDC television universe without the Green Arrow. So I think it's a really cool nod at what Stephen Amell and his show has meant to these other shows that have now spawned off of it. Now let's take a short break and when we come back, we'll talk about some of the Easter eggs and cameos within each episode. Hey everyone, I want to quickly tell you about 4041 Media. 4041 Media is a collection of podcasts in the southern New England area. And in addition to the great show that is Free Your Geek, you can check out 4041media.com and listen to the Psych Your Crime podcast to figure out why the crazies commit the crimes that they do. Or if movies are more your thing, check out the cast of characters at Movie Theater Time Machine. You can hear all of that at 4041media.com. That's 4041media.com. 4041media, for listeners, by listeners. Um, hello? (laughs) What the hell is this? I'm asking myself the same question. Literally. No, this this can't be happening. This you sh- What are you doing here? Well, I'll tell you that when you tell me where here is. Is this cosplay? Oh, do you want a selfie, bro? No, no, I'm, not, sorry. I'm sorry. I don't we're not No. I'm also the Flash. You're also the what? 
the flash? The flash? The flash. It's complicated. I like your outfit. It seems freaking comfy. Yours is pretty cool. Smooth. Seems safe and breathable. Found Barry Allen. No! What does that mean? How can this... This should be impossible now. It should be impossible now? You don't know about the... Oh my God, don't do this to me. I don't know about the what. You okay? I told Victor this was possible. What does this mean? And welcome back to Free Your Geek. We are here discussing the crossover Crisis on Infinite Earths that spanned five episodes of the CW's DC Universe. Now I want to get into this crossover because we were dealing with the multiverse. We got a lot of really cool, deep cut cameos and Easter eggs from all the DC properties. And I want to go through all of them right now. Starting on the first episode of Supergirl, as we are introduced to the multiverse, we see a familiar face of Robert Wool reprising his role as Alexander Knox, which is the Tim Burton Batman universe. And I thought that was really cool. The only kind of nitpick that I had was that Knox was reading a paper about the Joker terrorizing Gotham. And we know that in the movie, spoilers if you haven't seen the 89 Batman movie, the Joker dies at the end. Other than that, though, again, it was just a really deep cut that I don't know if everybody recognized that person or recognized the actor from the Batman movie. Uh, But then we were also introduced to the Titans from Earth-9. So if you have or subscribe to DC Universe Online or watch the Titan series, you'd recognize them. And then a little bit of a throwback to Earth-X from a previous crossover. We see the Ray flying around. And then for the old-timers, Earth-66 has Burt Ward reprising Dick Grayson, and he shouts out, Holy Red Skies of Death. The only thing that's missing is Adam West as Bruce Wayne. R.I.P. Mr. West. Moving forward to the second episode, the Batgirl episode, we are reintroduced to Tom Welling and Erica Durance as Smallville's Lois and Clark, or Clark and Lois, respectively. And it was kind of cool that Tom Welling did not want to put on the suit, so they wrote in that he gave up his powers. I thought that was a cool nod to that. But the biggest fanboy moment for me was Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman in the Batman animated series on which I grew up, played a live action Bruce Wayne. And I thought that was just really, really cool. They went a different route with him. But because it is a multiverse, those that know my feelings on the movie Batman versus Superman about Batman being a stone cold killer, that's not the Batman I know. I have a little bit more leeway when it's a multiverse era of Batman, especially one who has lost all his hope uh, and courage, which then kind of reinforces that Kate Kane is the paragon of courage. We also get another little throwback to another character that I liked, Leonard Snart, uh, but in voice only. Uh, Wentworth Miller lended his voice to be the Gideon on a alternate universe wave rider. And then we were reintroduced to a different version of Jonah Hex as they were trying to revive Oliver in the Lazarus Pit. Moving on to episode three, 
We get a callback to the short-lived Birds of Prey series where we see the Huntress of Earth-203, and she does call out to Oracle, a.k.a. Barbara Gordon. And then another surprise that not a lot of people saw coming, we go to Earth-666, and we get introduced to Lucifer as he is an old friend of one John Constantine. And then we see from a previous crossover the Flash from Earth-90 played by John Wesley Shipp, and he in turn fulfills the destiny of Flash vanishing in crisis. Episode 4 of the crossover had the biggest surprise cameo with Ezra Miller playing the DCEU Flash, meeting the CW Flash face-to-face in the Speed Force. And I believe this was kept secret from even most of the cast as Melissa Benoist uh, was on Instagram commenting on a picture of Ezra and Grant side by side. And she mentioned that she did not know this was happening. And I thought that was really, really cool. A really cool nod. Mark Guggenheim gave an interview on how it all came to be. You can look that up. And then on episode five, we are we are basically now after this rebirth that Oliver sacrificed his life for, all of our major DC CW TV shows are on one earth and Supergirl and Flash meet up and we meet a gentleman by the name of Marv and this is Marv Wolfman who has a cameo he was the original writer of Crisis on Infinite Earths and they uh, kind of cast him as a fan who gets the Flash and Supergirl's autograph and I thought that was a cool nod to him to include him since he wrote the comic book version of this story. And we are given one more Easter egg at the end of the episode as the heroes are in the Hall of Justice and we hear a sound of a monkey somewhere within the facility. And the camera pans in to see an open cage with the animal name Gleek. So could the Wonder Twins be far behind? That could be some characters in another show moving forward. And speaking of moving forward, with this rebirth, where does this leave the rest of the multiverse. With the rebirth, we are introduced to a brand new multiverse with other heroes occupying those Earths. So let's break those down right now. So we now know that the worlds of Supergirl, The Flash, Black Lightning, Batwoman, Legends of Tomorrow are now renamed Earth Prime. We are introduced to Earth 2 and Stargirl and potentially the Justice Society of America or a new version of it from what we saw on Legends. The Titans still on Earth-9. Swamp Thing is now Earth-19. The Doom Patrol is set on Earth-21. And I'm not sure if this is from the Ryan Reynolds movie or the upcoming HBO Max series, but a Green Lantern Corps is shown on Earth-12. And we see Brandon Routh again as Superman with a new insignia on his chest on Earth-96. And with all the major heroes that we're accustomed to sharing one Earth, this leads to a realm of other possibilities. We know that there's going to be a new Superman and Lois Lane series, but with this world, with this universe all on one Earth now, this could expand the continuity. Imagine if it's going to freshen up some of the existing characters with different villains. We kind of saw uh, Weather Witch deal with Supergirl, but what if Reverse Flash makes his way over to the Supergirl uh, to National City 
to Metropolis and he fights Superman or Supergirl or Batwoman or maybe we see Argus and Batwoman working together or a team up between Lex Luthor and Gorilla Grodd. Now that it's all in one shared universe, the possibilities are endless. And I, for one, am very looking forward to what the DC universe does moving forward on the CW. So thank you for listening. Get your geek on and free your geek. You're still here. It's over. Go home.